So the year was 1997, and my dad loved Star Wars. And for those who are Star Wars fans in the room, you know 1997 was a 20-year anniversary, which means that it came back out in theaters. So my dad wanted me to love Star Wars as much as he loves Star Wars, so he took me to see all those movies, and then the rest is history. I'm the biggest Star Wars fan. Probably not the biggest, but I really, really like Star Wars. A couple years later for Christmas, my mom got me one of those action figures, Luke Skywalker, that has like the tiniest possible lightsaber that you've ever seen in your entire life. And of course, as like a 10, 11-year-old kid, I took it with me to the car. I think we were going to the mall, and it fell out of his hand because his hands were also small because he's an action figure, and it fell in the snow. And the, the story goes that my mom tells it that I threw a fit, but I still would maybe say I probably, probably wasn't that big a deal. But she had to go in the snow, go in the snow until she found the lightsaber. I love, love Star Wars. So ever since um, Clark's been around, I've been wanting him to watch Star Wars. And he, especially when he was two, three, and four, he told me his favorite word, which was no. Uh, and it was really, really hard for me. And I was like, is he ever going to watch Star Wars? And then I was like, okay, I just need to be okay that maybe he's not a fan. Well, this week, we watched the first three episodes of Star Wars, and I was so very excited. And I wasn't sure how he was, he was going to like it or, you know, what, what was going to happen. And part of the reason he watched it is because his friend started watching it, which I was okay with. I used that as, like, leverage. I'm like, your friend Sam's watching this. Maybe he's like, yeah, I think I, think I, could, I could like this. I'm like, I've been trying to do this for four years. But anyway... So we watched it, and he has really fell in love with it, and it's been this great, great, glorious Christmas present to me um, as we are watching this together. But I think we love, all of us, we love things that hold really, really great memories for us. Maybe for you, this is like a movie like Star Wars, or maybe it's your favorite TV show, or maybe it's some place you visited, you went on this wonderful vacation, you, you are always reminded of that. Maybe it's a, a sporting event for the Cubs fans in the room. It might be the 2016 World Series, um, but we won't talk about that today. Um, maybe it's a memory that you've shared with someone else. Maybe it's where you went to college. It could be a, a bunch of different things, but it's a memory that holds great meaning and great value for you. And I think we all have these moments and these memories that we, and we like to share those and experience that with others. However, to remember and share this with others means we need to pause from our daily lives. And in the midst of the Advent season, taking time to pause, I think, is a lot more difficult because we are in the midst of a season where our lives, I think, are much busier than normal. For many of us, we've already planned everything out. We've planned what we need to buy, what we need to decorate, uh, the amount of Christmas cards that we need to get from Shutterfly, the amount of stamps we need to put on said Christmas cards to mail out to all of our friends and family. Finally, how in the world we're going to wrap all the presents that we've gotten everyone to make sure that they're ready for Christmas. Often, we don't have extra time, and yet, it's a time of year that leads us to remember. And this time of Advent requires us to remember these stories of John the Baptist and, and the birth of Jesus anew. In other words, to take moments to pause in the midst of our busy lives and schedules as we anticipate the coming arrival 
of Jesus, the coming of hope, peace, joy, and love. Today is, as we know, the second Sunday of Advent. And as we continue in this series called Prepare the Way of the Lord, based off the book by Adam Hamilton, which we're studying both here at Buffalo Grove and in Deerfield in our Wednesday evening studies, we continue this story of John the Baptist. Now, today's scripture is not only about baptism, but it's really about John the Baptist's adult ministry. So we've kind of jumped forward. Last week, we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth, his parents, and basically his birth. Now we're going to jump to his adult life, and then next week we're going to jump back uh, to a bit about his birth again. But before we kind of go back to the scripture, um, there's some important historical pieces that I think is important for us to kind of understand. So we're in the first century with John, uh, and that was when he was ministering throughout his adult life. And then there's some similarities that it's important to know between John and a Jewish community called the Essenes, and they lived in Qumran. And, and there they copied and preserved religious texts. It is this community that preserved the Dead Sea Scrolls that we find much later, right? But the Essenes uh, were one of three distinct Jewish sects of the day. The, the Sadducees, which I always was told they didn't believe in the resurrection because they're sad, you see. So that's a way to remember that. Uh, the Pharisees, which we see throughout Scripture, and then the Essenes. Now, you might be thinking, I don't really see this throughout Scripture. And you're right. We don't see them mentioned throughout Scripture. Um, and part of the reason that they're not mentioned and that we don't see them is because they were busy in Qumran by themselves copying texts down. So we don't really see a whole lot of them. They didn't really get out a whole lot. And so we don't see them throughout Scripture. But we know through other writings that there's this other group. They really led this simple life. They had a strict adherence to the law. And again, they separated themselves from the rest of the community. And I think this is an important connection between John and the Essenes, is that both of them, both of them anticipated the coming of the Messiah. And they saw themselves as those who would prepare the way for the Lord, for the Messiah through their lifestyle. Like the Essenes, John the Baptist practiced simple living. Um, he ate locusts. I, I don't, I'm not recommending that we eat locusts. Um, he really, it talks only that he ate locusts and wild honey, so he had, he knew the two things he needed, I guess, to eat, uh, and he wore a coat of camel's hair. Again, he was kind of uh, away from folks a lot of the time, and then he would go and preach and baptize and do those things, um, but he also saw himself as one that was preparing the way for the Messiah. See, John's baptism likely has roots in this Essene practice called ritual bathing, and biblical scholars have noted the similarities between John's preaching and the values we see in the Essenes. And, and some scholars have concluded that there's a connection between John and the Essenes. Some people have even said that because John's parents, as we talked about last week, were very old, that they may have passed away. And so the Essenes had taken him under his wing a bit. And it talks because it talks about how John was in the wilderness for his public ministry. In a way, some scholars think he was adopted by them. But despite the similarities between John and the Essenes, John preached and ministered independently. See, John's baptism was not purely a, a ritual purification like the Essenes, but rather a sign. Rather, it was a sign that those being baptized had repented and wanted God's forgiveness. John sought not to separate himself from others like the Essenes often did, 
but to preach to them and to bring God's good news to them. So with all of this before us, I want us to hear the scripture again from Luke chapter 3 to see what it has to say to us about Advent, to see what it has to say to us about the coming of Jesus as we prepare the way for the Lord as today we focus on this idea of baptism. So in Luke 3, as we heard, it says, In the 15th year of the rule of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip ruled over Urtiria, and Trachantus and Lysanus was ruler over Albion. During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went through the region of the Jordan River, calling people to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives to God and to forgive their sins. This is just as written on the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight. The rough places be made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. When, then John said to the crowds who came to be baptized by him, you children of snakes, who, who warns you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming? Produce fruit, fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't ever think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you, God is able to raise up Abraham's children from the stones. So in here, I think one of the things that we see is John's baptism highlights the role of the church to reach out to those who are not here. John is in this space, and he's preaching, and these people hear this, and they start to come and want to be baptized. See, John was very focused on going out to the crowds to prepare their hearts and minds for Jesus. Because remember, Jesus was most likely, was a relative of John, most likely his cousin. And they probably grew up a lot together, had lots of these conversations. Scholars believe that both Jesus and John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And they both knew that John was going to prepare the way for him. So John's beginning his ministry, baptizing um, and, and focusing on this desire for forgiveness, renewal, and as he talks about here, being good fruit. He's really preparing the way for them, for the Messiah, who he knew was coming and wants more and more people to hear this. Just last week, uh, we had this opportunity in, in Deerfield to do this Deerfield Winter Market, and it was all these different groups and things were able to come together, and we uh, wanted to be a part of that and connect with people. And uh, Zane Ishmael um, a couple of us uh, created these uh, crafts. Zane created the crafts because I'm not crafty. I'm really not crafty. I can follow instructions, though. And we wanted to do these crafts with kids and be able to meet folks. And it was a really, it, I was really surprised because I didn't know how many kids were going to be there, what that was going to be like. But we had a constant line of people making this paper mache stuff, making these magnets, doing all these, like, little things making, um, they used just plain paper with scissors to make snowflakes and do all those things that we, you know, Advent Christmas crafts. And we really were able to connect with folks who we hadn't seen in the church who may or may not be there, but really to connect with our community. And as we think about what John's doing in this moment, I think it's a lot of that. He's going into spaces where people are and is talking about re repentance and that the Messiah that everyone's been waiting for is coming. Again, much of John's message is centered around this need for repentance. His baptism, it was a sign that the people repented, that they were changing their hearts 
in their lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. So we see two really important aspects in this scripture. The first is the word sin, which kind of puts us a little bit on edge, probably a little bit, but it's really important to the work that John is talking about. The Greek word for sin is harmatia, which means to miss the mark, which is actually a word taking from archery. So you can imagine you shoot an arrow, you want to hit the bullseye, you miss the bullseye, you miss the mark. That's the general idea here. The idea of repentance has to do with turning or altering one's course so that you might return to the right path. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. And it means to think differently or to change one's mind. Repentance entails this change of mind that leads to a change of heart. And when we change our heart, it leads to a change of action or behavior. See, sin and repentance is something that we all deal with. There's moments where we've missed the mark, that we've done things we should not do, or we've failed to do something we know we should have done. And yet we've all experienced repentance in the midst of it, where we had a change of heart. And, and this is the beauty, I think, of the gospel, of the good news, as we come into the season of Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus. And this is especially true as it relates to the scripture here, what John the Baptist talks about concerning baptism and preparing the way of the Lord is this very idea that Jesus is coming, the love and the hope and peace and joy is coming, and that we are to enter into this space of baptism and work towards being good fruit to the world. See, John baptized in the Jordan River, which is just a few miles north of where the Jordan River meets the Dead Sea, and there are sites in Israel today where people go to remember their baptism, and a group of us from Kingswood just this past March were able to do that very thing. And I remember it was a busy, busy time. We're going from site to site to site. And they're like, oh yeah, today's the day where we go to the Jordan River and do this baptism piece. And I wasn't quite sure how this was all going to work, but they had different spots where they had the different groups kind of go and do that. And it was busy and we're kind of all doing this thing. And, all, and I, I remember it, it, it all almost like slowed down. So Pastor James and I get in the water um, and it's really, really rocky. So I was really glad I brought some sandals because that would not have been a good time. And people you know, from, from our church started coming down, and we would baptize them. And it was just this really, really beautiful moment to know in this same-ish spot. We don't really know where exactly this all happened. But within this Jordan River where we're baptizing and, I, you know, remembering our baptism and doing all those sorts of things, that it's the same spot that we read about in this scripture today. I imagine these people who are hearing John preach recognize their need for repentance and desire for God to forgive their sins. Imagine how powerful that this symbol of baptism would have been for them. This visible, tangible expression, both of their commitments, commitment to repentance and God's forgiveness. And while baptism is not something that we often talk about at Advent, right? We're talking about stars and light and shepherds and, and all of those things. I think it's important for us in the season of waiting and the coming of the birth of Jesus to remember our own baptism, right? Or remember a baptism that we've experienced here at Kingswood. Because all of this serves as a reminder for us that God is with us. And especially on the second Sunday of Advent, as we focus on, on peace. The second Sunday is, is a focus on peace. It helps us to experience, as we think about baptism, it helps us to experience God's deep peace 
with and for each of us. Baptism symbolizes so much for us. It's a washing away and cleansing of sin. It's new birth with the baptismal waters symbolized, symbolizing the water of the womb. It's death and resurrection, dying and being raised to new life. It's repentance and forgiveness. It's liberation as the water of the Jordan recall the Israelites' passage from the Red Sea and their entrance into the Promised Land. It's initiation into the Christian faith and it's adoption as God's children. See, baptism began with John. And we call him John the Baptist or in other places John the Baptizer because he baptized people in the Jordan River. Baptist is not his last name, but it's what he was doing, right? And it's really as this sign that they were turning to God and were ready for the Messiah, for Jesus to come. And that's what we're doing during these four Sundays as we lead up to Christmas, these four Sundays of Advent. We're turning our hearts and lives over again to God, getting ourselves ready for Jesus. So Advent's a really good time for us to think and reflect and maybe experience baptism again, to, to remember our own baptism, remember the experience of others as we've done that, knowing that we're not bystanders in baptism. When someone from our church comes to be baptized, we have a part to play in that. We have a part as we continue to nurture and help them grow in the faith along with us as well, because that's what the church is about. And we're reminded of what God does in baptism. It's not just just remembrance and water and that's nice, but God is working within each and every one of our lives then, and God is still working today. As I was reflecting about this, I was reminded of one of my favorite movies, which is not Star Wars, um, The Lion King. I love The Lion King. I also love Disney. Uh, We got T-minus like 25 days till we go to Disney at the beginning of the year, and so I'm excited. But I was thinking about the movie uh, The Lion King, and uh, for those, I think we've all seen this movie, um, but for those who haven't, uh, the, the dad, Lion, Mufasa, dies. And towards the end of the movie, uh, Simba has kind of run away, but he's, he's, come, he's thinking about going back, and he sees his dad in the stars, right? And Mufasa says these words, remember who you are. And as I was reflecting on that, I think that is, is, is what I think about when I think about John the Baptist. That's what he's doing in the sense of baptism. He's calling these folks to remember who they are. That we've been talking about this Messiah, that the Messiah is coming back. And John keeps, John's like Mufasa, he keeps saying, remember who you are. But for us, I think it could be hard because we read this story as something that happened back then, but it has no reference to us today. How does, this, how does this connect with us? And I like this story, but this just is not a story from back then. John the Baptist helps us to remember who we are as Christians as we anticipate Jesus' birth and all the things that means for us, that we are to be people of hope, peace, joy, and love as we remember the power of God in our baptism. We remember that we're forgiven, that we're called through our baptism to be changed people and to follow after Jesus, the good news, and to change the world. We are called individually and as a church called Kingswood Church to bear good 
fruit, to be washed and made new in Jesus, to be people of peace. And as we follow the example of Jesus, let us remember who we are as we turn our lives to God. Let us remember who we are as we continue each day to bear good fruit in whatever place that we're in. As we continue to be people of peace, joy, and love, let us remember who we are as baptized children of God, called to turn our hearts back to God as we see through the life of John the Baptist. And as we in this season continue to anticipate the coming arrival and the birth of Jesus and all of that brings, may we take these small pockets of moments to pause as we continue to remember and in each of those moments as we continue to follow after Jesus, the good news in all that we do. Amen.